Hello and welcome to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. Imagine sharing your university lectures with an ex-pro AMA racer. Such is the case for motorsport engineering students at Oxford Brooks, where our guest has returned to education with dreams of translating his experience as a racer in both the US and homeland Bermuda into a career in motorsport engineering. His involvement in Formula Student as team leader stands him in good stead for this, along with his dedication to all things two wheels, having previously established a motorcycle riding academy back in Bermuda. We also talk courage, inspiration and solidarity in the quest for diversity in motorsport. Stay put for a chat with Antoine Richards. So you're currently a mature motorsport engineering student at university, which we'll come back to later. But what is interesting is that you are actually an ex-pro AMA racer. So for those listening who aren't familiar with this series, could you explain a bit more about this category and your involvement with it? Yeah, certainly. Um, AMA is the national uh, professional series in America, um, equivalent to the BSB uh, over here in the UK. Um, and I raced in the super sport class, 600 cc's, roughly the same as would be over here. Um, this was back in 2010, so a little while ago now. But uh, yeah, um, the level of competition in, in America has has always been, you know, pretty well respected. Uh, we've seen quite a few uh, AMA racers make the transition every year um, to the UK, then also to the world level as a uh, WSB or MotoGP as well. So yeah, um, I had the opportunity to race with some some pretty pretty big pretty big names and had a great time doing it. And how did you get into motorcycle racing? And was that always the plan to make it into AMA? Uh, no, <laughs> um, that was a very uh, almost last second idea. <laughs> um, I grew up in, in Bermuda, um, tiny island in the middle of the Atlantic, uh, famous for the Bermuda Triangle and my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, motorcycle racing, my dad used to do uh, dirt bike racing um, and not you know before I had started with the AMA, I was racing Bermuda. Um, there uh, we have a couple of our local heroes. This one guy, particularly David Jones, he was a, really the first Bermudian to go out in the U.S. and hop on uh, a big race bike. Um, just for a little bit of context, and Bermuda is so small that the uh, the roads are basically limited to 35 kilometers per hour, means speed limit, <laughs> 25 kilometers per hour. Um, the biggest bike you can actually get on the road, it's 150cc. So um, me getting onto 600 was a big, big step. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they start their own, we have our own uh, racing club, Bermuda's Motorcycle Racing Association, and I was really interested. I had basically at 18, 18 and a half decided that uh, university in Canada for me wasn't quite working out. <laughs> so I gave my parents the, uh, the famous uh, 
I'm not going to go back to university <laughs> and I'm going to become a professional bike racer. That was a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was it. So I uh, basically the next day I showed up at the racetrack uh, and I met with David and he saw that I was serious. He gave me a couple of tips and some advice and the rest of the club just really pulled me in and within a year, within a few months I was racing and then within a year I was uh, flying out to the US to compete out there as well. Oh, wow. So prior to 18, were you doing any club races or anything like that at all? Was it more very casual? Uh, there were some instances that, you know, may have not been on the track, so to speak. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I had never been on a race bike. I'd never been on a racetrack. Um, I was just, yeah, just a silly kid. <laughs> wow, that's super cool. Um, so obviously to make that switch, it's quite quite a big adjustment going from university to, okay, I'm going to be professional bike racer. Was there a particular moment or person that inspired you to make that change? Yeah, um, and it's actually part of the reason why I'm here talking to you guys. It was quite literally uh, Michael Jordan starting his motorcycle racing team in the AMA. Oh, wow. Um, in motorsports. I literally was uh, sitting in my dorm um, playing racing games <laughs> while I should have been studying. And, um, you know, I, I this, was, this was probably about, yeah, within a year or two of them uh, forming their, their squad and I heard about it for the first time and I just thought to myself, you know what, I bet one of these days Michael Jordan's going to want to have a black rider for him. So <laughs> that's going to be me. <laughs> Um, and so quite literally, that was, that was my, uh, like, like we probably have heard many times, representation, representation matters. And I had never even envisioned it. You know, I, I, I had always loved watching Wendy GP and uh, stuff growing up. You know, Valentina Rossi was my, my hero still to this day. But, you know, that's, it was always a world apart. Um, and it wasn't until I saw Michael Jordan saying, yeah, I want to have my racing team that I thought, well, you know what, we go for it. That's a really um, brilliant story. And like you said, it really shows how important representation is. And I'm sure at the moment there's lots of kids who will be inspired in the generations to come as well from, from ownership of teams and from those that are actually in the driving seat as well. What was the culture actually like in Bermuda in relation to racing? Is there quite a big um, community or were you one of the few? Uh, well, traditionally, we're going to be had uh, motocross, a lot of motocross racing. Um, like we said, my dad used to do it back in the day. Um, we had, yeah, it was just a very long history of, of, of dirt bikes, but not so much street bikes. Um, so that was a more recent um, addition uh, for, the, for the country. But in general, Bermuda has a very, very uh, passionate motorcycling community. Um, basically, we are all riding a bike at some point in our life because you're not, again, very, very small country. You're not allowed to have many cars. You're actually not allowed to have one car per family. So um, mostly what you'll have is, you know, mom will get the car and dad and get the bike. And then when the kids get 16, they'll get the bike as well. And, you know, not getting cars. So it's a very, you know, there's tons and tons of bikes. Now, mostly, you know, mopeds and so on. But I was like a, a 50cc little supermoto bike and took that and made it faster and faster <laughs> and uh, <laughs> got myself in trouble. <laughs> 
So talk to us about setting up your own um, motorcycle riding school back in Bermuda. How did that come about? Well, yeah, that was uh, a little bit after uh, my racing career came to an end. Uh, basically around the same time that the uh, economy was crashing in the US, my sponsors back in Bermuda as well as in the States really had, you know, just went on the funds and like myself and, you know, several other people, it was a hard time to be racing. Mm-hmm. So I had to go and find other avenues. And uh, yeah, after several other ventures between there and then, I was at a point where I decided that I wanted to do something to like, really sink my teeth into. And mm-hmm. um, that's something that also meant a lot to me. Um, again, growing up in an island that everybody rides bikes, I've known uh, quite a few friends uh, who have, either hurt himself badly or even a couple has passed away so it's always so and then also you know after you've been on the racetrack seeing people riding the street you just always see yeah. all the little things that's oh you just don't know how much risk you're taking <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of you know that was part of the impetus but then um i was involved with the road safety council uh, in bermuda trying to just offer some advice and be a positive role model using my experience for something good. And I paired up with one of the local insurers who, along with a few other stakeholders, uh, decided that it was time for us to kind of uh, lobby the government to do more with our riding, set, riding standards. In fact, even to this day, the standards, standards of training before you can get on a bike are very, very low. Like, really. And so we were looking to get our riding standards up to uh, the level we have here in the UK. So with the support of this insurance company, I came out here to the UK. I did some rider instructor training where I got that experience of like riding with, you know, ready connected helmets and being on the with someone. And um, that was, yeah, that was kind of then I came back to Bermuda and I tried to introduce this, this to Bermuda. Um, and it was it was very very well received actually extremely well received. We once the company started, we then partnered with one of the biggest local high schools, and we offered this program to basically the entire year that was at the age of going getting their first bike. Um, we it was pretty well received, and that we got a number of students. And the students that did come were really really keen. Um, with the training we got um, and the biggest difference was that the training didn't stop uh, once they had gotten their license uh, so we could only do so much you know extra training uh, before they got their bike uh, sorry got their license but then after that I was on the road with them with the radio connected helmets and really going through and taking their first you know month of of riding on the road and having them do it with somebody who who knows the road better um, and so it was yeah very, very, very well received. And frankly, I would have continued had we been able to really get the government to commit to, to doing it, uh, commit to this, this new standard. Um, of, at, up to this point, there's still been, you know, some hurdles we've got across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't given up on it, but for the time being, I decided to pursue other things. That sounds like a really um, useful and cool initiative that you set up there though. And quite wide scale as well, considering the impact that you were trying to have. But going back to what we mentioned at the start of the conversation, you are now a motorsport engineering student. Could you um, tell us how you actually got into that path and where you're headed? Yeah, so 
this was basically right when I was winding down the uh, the riding school. I had got involved with another another initiative, something called the Bermuda Charge, where we have a objective of making Bermuda a showcase for electric vehicles for the rest of the world. Uh, Bermuda's always had a very good, a strong um, tradition of sustainable initiatives. Yeah, we are, you know, we're uh, ecotourism destination and so on. So we're very proud of our island and keeping it clean. Um, and so uh, promoting electric vehicles was a natural step for us. And we're hoping, to, because we're a small island, we think we can get to that faster than um, some other countries. And so we were in the process of trying to, uh, well, no, I'm trying to, we actually had the government uh, ready to allow us to be able to host a electric superbike race on the roads, oh, wow. you know, um, sort of, I would say Northwest 200 style. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my involvement in this initiative, um, I knew that I would be surrounded by some of the most high-tech and state-of-the-art um, electric race bikes in the world, which were, which were the ones we were trying to uh, bring to Bermuda. And I decided, you know, if I'm going to be surrounded by all, all this really cool stuff that I find super interesting, you know, I want to not just be there to, you know, do the business end. I want to know what's going on. I want to be involved. And also I saw the opportunity in terms of just knowing how racers, uh, how racers are, you know, I grew up with the smell of race fuel and the sound of race bikes literally waking me up out of bed in the morning <laughs> when I'm at the racetrack. Uh, and I know how, how reticent we are to let go of that. <laughs> and I, I know that that's not just for the race bus, racers, but also for the engineers. So I assume there would be a big gap in the market when it came to uh, motorsports engineering, who were motorsports engineers who were focused on electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, and lo and behold, that was the case. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm actually here at school right now, and I can guarantee you that there are we have literally have a school full of people who love racing but just don't get on with electric vehicles mm-hmm. so much. We're we're all moving that direction, but it's it's, it's tradition. It's very slow. So yeah, I, I just basically thought that well, that's this is an opportunity for me to go back and finish one thing I didn't finish, which is my university degree, you know, got a little detour. <laughs> um, and I decided that, yeah, you know, I, I've done a lot of business in my life. So in what business, that's something I kind of feel like I have in my back pocket. So let's broaden my expertise, so to speak, yeah. um, and, and get into engineering. And here I am now at Oxford Brooks University in my second year of a Bachelor of Engineering and Motorsports Engineering. Brilliant. So is that the goal then in terms of becoming a, a race engineer for an electric bike series? Is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there is some right now. It's sort of like a lot of, I guess, possibilities mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm looking, looking at. Um, but there are two things that I am sure about. I do want to be in, in motorsports and I do want to be a motorsport engineer who focuses on, on electronics. So... Wherever that takes me, I'd, you know, I'd be quite happy. Um, I'm looking at a quite a few different options right now, and yeah, <laughs> so where where I end, like, is things are moving so fast, I can hardly hardly tell where I'm going to end up. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're on the right path anyway to to sort of achieving your your goals. So that's brilliant. So if we move on to now talking about the more diversity part 
of the conversation. Mm -hmm. One of your latest Instagram posts was in support of Francis Bradfield. So he's one of the only black guys in the MotoGP paddock. Can you talk to us about this and your thoughts on MotoGP's lack of commitment in demonstrating support for anti-racism? Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, well, 2020, right? This has been some kind of a year. <laughs> and I, at the at around the time when MoGP was just getting started again, um, I think Formula One had started maybe a couple of weeks before. And this was, you know, not too long after George Floyd got killed by police. I was just in a really, really rough spot. You know, I, I had I almost said I didn't realize it at the time, but while I was, you know, doing my first year studies, I was unconsciously like kind of bottling up a lot of things in the world outside of engineering, outside of university um, that I didn't, just didn't process. And then once lockdown happened and all of a sudden there's all this time in my hands, suddenly like all these things just came kind of pouring out. Um, and, you know, I think yeah, there was definitely, I think, one or two Formula One races where, I, you know, Lewis Hamilton was making such a courageous and, like, you know, just really, really inspiring uh, symbol by needing in solidarity. It was also, you know, the, 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 the blowback on that was also kind of really <laughs> stressful for me as well, um, because basically I'm at a point now where, you know, I've I've committed my life to motorsports. You know, I've been doing this for literally more than half my life now. And this is what I want to do for us, my life. Mm -hmm. But I've also I'm also well aware of the of what this sport is or has been up to now. And I was questioning myself. I was questioning myself, questioning my my future, um, questioning if at you know, thirty-three years old, am I still able to look past you can't look past things like I did when I was younger because I just love being on a bike and going fast. Or am I getting old and, you know, a little bit too, yeah, just more aware, you know, like just not able to just look past things. And so my GP, the first race started up and I was almost dreading it in a sense because I was not very optimistic to see that they would be doing much. You know, we don't have a quote-unquote Lewis Hamilton in MoGP, although we do have Franco. <laughs> but um, we, um, yeah, it was it was still a very, it was tough for me to get back into into into, into my MoGP, which is like completely, <laughs> that's where you know things are wrong. With <laughs> like kind of like lukewarm about MoGP, like no, like this is, this is me hitting rock bottom. <laughs> um, and then I saw Francis's post. Um, I think Simon Patterson has, sh has shared it and I, I it came up on my feed and like it was it just it meant so much to me like I, I reached out to him on that day um, and we got to talking and like it really it, it just, just just to see that there was somebody anybody else there out there who was you know thinking the same way as I do you know I, I, I grew up you know very much you know, in the States or even out here where, yeah, I am the only black guy as, you know, you can talk passionately about uh, OGP. Frankly, any other, any other place that I can talk about this with is back in, in Bermuda and I haven't been home in a while. So, um, you know, and 
it was it was tough. Then I saw Francis post, reach out to him, Lord said, and I just felt so inspired. So I told him that the next week that I was going to to, to even though I you know didn't have the platform or anything, I was just gonna do it with him. You know, I, in front of the TV, just because you know I I, I could have I had only the smallest sense of how how kind of terrified it must have been for him. Mm. You know, like to be on your own uh, and 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 know that. You're going to rock the boat in yeah. a big way, you know. For those who haven't seen Francis's post, can you explain what, what the post mm -hmm. is? Okay, so Francis is in the Moki P paddock. Um, as you mentioned, he's the only black guy who's in the paddock. He's a humming tech. And he uh, he kneeled. He raced one his fists and uh, just took the same uh, kneel in solidarity that, that, you know, many other people had been doing. Um, and so I had just emulated him and did the same uh, the following week of the next race. So that was clearly a very sort of inspiring and empowering moment for you seeing that on on Instagram because I know obviously that that post did end up getting circulated quite widely which was brilliant that mm -hmm. there were so many people sort of sharing the same I guess train of thought that, that Francis did and obviously you've just explained there that, that you did as well. Um, what would you like to see MotoGP do in support of anti-racism? Because up to now, we've not really seen anything, have we? Yeah, so this is where I have to be a little bit cautious because I'm going to be talking about future employers. But um, yeah, no, I, well, I love that Franco Morbidelli um, has on his own in, in a very, very, you know, amazing way um, brought the conversation mm -hmm. into MoGP, and, and and I like how you put it. You know, he kind of said he was putting it. He was he was bringing it in a press conference. He said he's, he wants to talk about this like more as a hug, as rather like you know an attack. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I love that. You know, Franco, he's he's a he's a smooth character. Like he, he's always been so great um, in front of the in front of the camera and on the bike, of course, mm -hmm. as well. Won his fresh race. Oh man, that was so <laughs> great. Um, so so you know I. Well, he had the helmet as well, didn't he, with the, yeah, the equality? Yeah. yeah, and that was the weekend he won. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Like, so, so incredible. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was, you know, we're probably more than half of the season through before even that happened. Um, up until then, at least from the comments you read on social media, it was more like, you know, well, why do we even need to be talking about this? This isn't a problem, MoGP, and you know, MoGP doesn't have a racism problem and all this type of things, like, which is completely missing the point. Like, nobody is trying to accuse MoGP of being racist. Like, that's silly. Um, it's simply that in 2020, <laughs> when, when people that look like me or just different or just, you know, who don't look like the traditional OGP fan mm -hmm. as they see it but we needed a little bit more just so that we can feel like you know we're you know we're not just committing our lives and our passion to something that doesn't feel it back towards yeah. us that's really all we wanted that's really all we need yeah you know just you know it's just you know <laughs> inclusion like, yeah inclusion yeah exactly it's, it's just being a part of, of being a part of something and knowing that they want to be part of it you know I, I would have literally broke my body to pieces to race the MoGP. <laughs> I probably still would if I got a chance, you know, <laughs> and, and 
that's not significant, you know. I, there are there are kids who who are right now, you know, even more on the path to MoGP um, from different backgrounds than I was, who are you know gonna go further than I did, and and they need to see it. They need to see that you know this sport is it's it knows that you have to be aware that there are bigger things in the world than just racing, you know, but it's, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be an attack. It doesn't have to be all about, you know, trying to, to tear anybody down or, or point fingers or anything like that. It just has to be about just welcoming people in, making us feel welcome and, yeah. and, you know, kind of reciprocating some of this love that we have for the sport. Yeah. I think that's really important to sort of open up the conversation because as you said at the beginning of that, we're not saying that MotoGP is racist. Like, that is not the right end of the stick. Yeah. And, yeah, I definitely agree with you that it, it would be really good to see representation because there are fans from other backgrounds that aren't represented within MotoGP and it's very mm-hmm. hard to, if that's a career that you want to pursue, to pursue it if you can't see yourself already there. Mm-hmm. I know, Ariana, we've talked a lot about this before. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of people at the moment who are struggling like you were and questioning whether this is the path they want to go down in light of some of the responses that people like Lewis and other other individuals are getting from speaking out. And the silence of some of the categories is also pretty deafening, unfortunately. But you've said that you've managed to move past that yourself. What advice would you give to other people out there who might be having that same doubt that you had and questioning it and having a bit of a a bit of a panic basically about whether motorsport industry is is for them what would you advise them and what what would you tell them well i mean i'm i'm really happy that i can give some advice now because if you would ask me this months ago i'd have just been like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um my advice would be reach out the social media now you know driven by diversity you know this is this again this this is really amazing that i can be sitting there talking about this because you know this is now a platform for people to say that yeah there are people from different backgrounds you know minority ethnic or lgbtq or anything else that want to get in you know like if you need to you can put my number up my instagram twitter find me i can connect you you know i know a couple of people like just just reach out and um, don't deal with it alone um, because it's very easy to get isolated, even though, you know, most of is a very tight-knit community, when you're on your own, you know, it, it does feel like you are just, I don't know, use the term, uh, if you took like a piece of cereal, like a chocolate piece of cereal in a bowl of milk, <laughs> just kind of like hang out there on your own, you know, that's kind of how I feel sometimes, you know? um, but it, that's not the case, you know, they, with social media, you know, as, as Aaron, I put it very closely, I'm a mature student, so back in my day, <laughs> there wasn't all the social media around, and it was, so hard, it was harder to, to try to, to, to find other people around. Um, but it is easier now, so use this avenue and don't go through it alone. Um, there's a, we're happy here to support you. You know, I just love talking about racing all day long, and talk about racing with people who are a little bit you know, a little bit more like myself, then that's even, that's, that's great too. I mean, I'll talk about it with anybody really, but even better if, you know, it's, it's the people who, you know, have a similar background to me outside of racing. I think that that's a really important message. And also 
the fact that, like you said, you know, you don't have to be reaching out necessarily to talk about the lack of diversity or the issues. You, you can, if you just want to chat to people yeah. who are from a similar background about something that you're both really passionate about, mm-hmm. just reach out and you'll realize that, you know, hopefully you aren't as alone as you might feel. And yeah, social media, that's one of the beauties of social media. Of course, it has its negatives, but that is one of the beauties. And hopefully people who are listening will realize that and we will also put your details in the bio so people can reach out to you <laughs> by, all, by all means i said i'm happy to to connect people and just have a chat fantastic so going back to obviously you've got experience racing in the u.s also a little bit of motorsport back in bermuda and you're within Formula Student now as part of your university uh, sort of extracurricular activity, so to speak, within the UK. What's been your experience of diversity in those different countries and cultures? Um, Can you explain to us a little bit more about that? Well, starting from Bermuda, um, where, you know, it's actually a majority black country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the motorsports are bike racing for the most part is, you know, it's, it's very diverse, you know, when it's probably about 60-40, but, you know, there's no, there's no problem of representation in Bermuda. <laughs> uh, we love bikes. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the States, um, in the States, I had one uh, very good uh, friend of mine who, who was, uh, he's still actually to the day uh, racing very, racing very, very competitively, uh, Lloyd Bailey, um, and he's, He's still doing his thing um, in the amateur, sorry, in the expert and, and pro ranks. But there wasn't very many other people besides that. In the AMA paddock, mm-hmm. um, there were a few other people, maybe not racing, but involved with the sport. Um, like I said, with Michael Jordan, when he came in, frankly, that was, he was the diversity <laughs> um, for the sport at the time. And that, at least for the era that I was there, it made it very comfortable for me. Yeah. Um, so I had a great time at the AMA, like honestly, at the time of my life. And then now I'm here in the U- in the UK. Um, I'm at said Officer Brooks here, and uh, I'm actually really, really encouraged with the fact that you know, I mean, I look around my my lectures. There is there's a lot of diversity in my in my degree. Maybe not as many, say, as they call it, like Afro Caribbean mm-hmm. uh, background here, but there's you know a lot of a lot of Indians. Uh, from all of Asia and so yeah there's this there is a lot of optimism I feel um, with, with what former student does it does bring in a lot of uh, uh, different backgrounds and and supports us you know like they, they they do a great job of of giving us a path towards you know Formula One like the, that's what former uh, students are known for um, and so I have no doubt that, you know, some of my, my peers, uh, hopefully myself, will find a way to the top flight of motorsport because once you're really stuck in from a student, you know, everybody just has to work hard. If really in this, this is where, you know, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, the whole being colorblind, there's no such thing as color type of thing. I don't believe that. There will always be <laughs> something there when it comes to college just because that's human nature, but also, if former student got so much work to do, <laughs> you really don't have time. You really don't have time for any other small things. You know, you you want the best of the best, and um, people who work hard 
So sure. I'm really, really enjoying my time from a student here at Oscar Brooks. Um, we have a great, great team. What's cool ahead here is, is a lady uh, called Gordana, and she's super amazing when it comes to um, making sure that, you know, we're sticking to our, our, our goals of being a diverse and inclusive program here at, at Brooks. And I feel so, I mean, so happy. So just to nail, nail it home, um, just last week, I was, I got my big promotion. I'm, I'm now a team leader um, for the HV team, high voltage team for the OBR car that we're building this year. Congratulations. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, hence why I'm here at the library at like eight <laughs> in the night. You know? But um, it's, it's just, this is exactly what I would have dreamed of, you know, when I, when I started the school two years ago. And so, you know, that my, the putting the work in and, and, and being consistent has, has proven all that I need. Now it's just a matter of me to deliver. That's really brilliant to hear how diverse a former student is and really promising because obviously, like you said, you're the people that are working towards being in the top the top tier of sport. So it's, it's reassuring mm-hmm. that that's the talent that's being fed in. To tie things up, could you just give us your your view, I guess, on why diversity is so important and why it is so great. Obviously, you've had direct experience from Formula students. So what is it that you're seeing when you are involved in that environment that you realize is so, so important and special? Yeah, just goes back to the same old representation matters, you know, like being able to see someone, you know, it's one thing to see university students your own age doing something, but then it's another thing to see someone that you maybe has the same sort of background issue and really being able to to connect with that you know um like something's easy or not even that's easy but you know like if you look at the impact something black panther had you know on, on the, the masses you know like just completely rewrote the, the book uh, or the script for for how some of us view, view ourselves you know that that's that, that's very much uh the same case here uh, with motorsports the the this the sport in general as as a whole stands to gain so much by just reaching out and including including more you know there's so many smart smart people um passionate people you know really really passionate you know you have to be passionate about the sport if you you know know that you're going to be like kind of out there on your own and you still want to be there like that's we don't do that for fun <laughs> i mean we do it for fun but we do you know that that is it's a yeah, yeah a lot of people here who, who who really really love love what they do and even going younger than that looking at at kids who are coming up you know maybe these these some of the kids may not come from the best schools and so on but you have kids there who may be you know really good at math but just don't really see how they can apply that you know and engineering just seems like a, a a word or, or just a, you know, a title you don't really understand anything about it because their only paths in life are going to be you know maybe becoming a doctor or a lawyer if they do really really well but you know that doesn't that may not be their passion so like that was me for for example um particularly with former student and uh here at brooks we're you know i think that we're setting a a example so that when these kids look up and they see oh you know what I I need uh, maybe this is the whole thing about you know well when are you ever going to use trigonometry again well if you want to I can tell you we can do trigonometry all day and if you can help me out <laughs> and then you can 
develop that uh, skill much further and to the point where you're now becoming a trackside engineer for Lewis Hamilton in the future. You know, like that's, that's really, you know, where one question I got asked a lot was how did you get into this? You know, where did you start off with this? Well, it starts out by, you know, seeing somebody and then trying to be able to reach that goal. So hopefully these are, these intermittent steps are, are, are going to become more demystified, you know, uh, and, and readily available for people to, to follow. It was great to hear Antoine talk so highly of his university course and his Formula student team, especially the diversity and the representation in both. I really hope that that inspires others and makes them realise that this is an industry for all. It was cool to hear that he was initially inspired by the basketball legend Michael Jordan, who many will know will be fielding a car driven by Bubba Wallace in NASCAR next season under his 2311 racing team. But Michael Jordan actually previously owned an AMA superbike team, which is where young Antoine became inspired. Yeah, I'm so excited to see how the team does in NASCAR and such a powerful show of representation, which, as we know, is super important. Anton himself mentioned that he has questioned whether he's done the right thing in dedicating his life to motorsport and whether he was able at this point in his life to continue to look past the lack of diversity in the industry and just accept that it's just like that. And unfortunately, I'm sure he's not the only one who's felt or is feeling that way. But I'm so glad Antoine saw to persevere as at only 33, he has such a rounded experience and already has a pro career behind him, was president of the National Sports Governing Body for Motorsport in Bermuda. He set up his own motorcycle riding school there as well and is now at uni studying for a motorsports engineering degree and helping to run the Formula student team. So definitely a bright future ahead of him. If you found Antoine's story inspiring and have a question for him, you can reach out to him on Insta at arichards87. Don't forget to stay up to date with us too at We Are Driven By Diversity. As always, guys, make sure to subscribe, leave a review and rate, and we'll be dropping another episode next Tuesday. 